Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with best-selling authors, experts, and listeners around the world. All right, everybody, subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. If you have uh, an Apple phone, I think the kids call them iPhones. <laughs> um, there's already a podcast app on your phone, so find it and then search Atomic Moms and then you can hit subscribe. And we have over 160 podcasts available for you all with a lot of incredible experts, including the one I released earlier this week about how we can motivate our children And I feel like I have not even had a chance to share that really online. Like every parent, I'm running around doing a million things. And um, I woke up this morning and I realized, nope, I got to put out an episode today. Uh, I wasn't planning on it, but I emailed Stephanie Small, who had been our expert after Hurricane Harvey. And she had such incredible advice about how to parent through a crisis that I knew that she would be the person to speak to if I wanted to use this platform, to use Atomic Moms for good. Because I see on Facebook there are so many mothers hurting right now, and people are really scared. And so I reached out to Stephanie Small and said, hey, I would love to hear what you have to say. Let's, Let's throw something together right now. Is that cool? So we hopped on the phone. I threw Sabrina down in front of Daniel Tiger Neighborhood and... Uh, we had this impromptu conversation. I did not have a single question written out, but she's an expert, and what she says is really important, and I I want to do everything I can to get it out there in the world. So as you all know, two days ago, 17 people were killed in a mass shooting at a high school in Parkland, Florida. It's the second deadliest school shooting in U.S. history. Our guest, Stephanie Small, consulted with local officials following the deadliest school shooting, um, which was Sandy Hook Elementary, which took the lives of 26. She has also consulted following the recent shootings in San Bernardino, Paris, and Aurora, Colorado. I'm going to read her little bio from her website. She is an accomplished marriage, family, and child therapist with a positive and empowering approach in her work with children, adolescents, and their families. She builds on the strengths and resilience of her clients while healing the life challenges and traumas that have impeded their sense of wholeness and joy. She is recognized by leading physicians in L.A. for her treatment of medical trauma in children and adults. And in her private practice of 25 years, she has integrated attachment-focused EMDR and somatic therapies to resolve the troubling impact of divorce or separation, grief and loss, attention difficulties, bullying, depression, anxiety, and adoption issues, to name a few. In addition to her private practice, Stephanie has lectured locally, nationally, and internationally on issues concerning childhood and adolescent trauma. And in her previous life, she was also a nurse. (laughs) So this is a woman who has committed her life to helping people heal after these kinds of atrocities. I am so honored that she is our guest. I had no idea I was going to do this today, but it just feels like one of those moments where I need to stop thinking. Stop thinking and just act. We all have a responsibility to speak up 
and act. I was reminded the other day, actually, that the Tibetans, when they, when they refer to thinking, they point to their hearts, or they refer to their hearts, because they recognize the heart as the center of consciousness. This week, I'm going to work on thinking a lot more with my heart instead of my head. I will be right back with Stephanie Small. Stephanie, thank you so much for scrambling and being like, yeah, I'll hop on a call right now. Thank you so much. (laughs) Not a problem. Not a problem. Okay. So what is the first thing that you would say to all these parents that are watching the news right now who are so scared to let their children go back to school? Yes. And, you know, and here we have a holiday weekend, so we naturally, the kids aren't going to be in school. Most schools are closed today and on Monday which is kind of the good news and the bad news because, you know, kind of the delaying of going back to school and back on a schedule um, can induce more anxiety. And, you know, as you're going through the weekend, as Monday comes, you might find that you have an increased anxiety with your kids and, and being unsure. And that's where it's a lot of uh, hugging them this weekend and talking and talking and talking. And it's kind of tricky. You know, it's, the kids that are talking about it, that's great. You just keep the conversation and just kind of take the time to listen to what they're saying so you answer the questions that they are asking and not giving them too much detail um, because some things we don't know everything yet. And, you know, and try to find out what they're really trying to ask you because really what they're wanting to know, is it safe to go to school? How do we know it's not going to happen at our school? And that's difficult because parents are thinking, I don't know that it's safe to go back to school. And yet we live in a world that the truth is, is that it can happen anywhere except it's happening in our schools and we don't picture it happening in our schools. And the truth of the matter is, is that schools are safe. Teachers love your kids. The administrations are only trying to figure out what we do to help our kids. So it's figuring out that balance. Parents, for the kids that are not talking, you've got to talk to them because they're in what we call, we have a fight, a flight, and a freeze response. Those kids that are in a freeze response, they're locked into their own world and they're just looping on whatever the last thing they, they heard and you don't know what that was, but you need to talk to them. I saw a, a student who was being interviewed on CNN and she had been in the hospital and she said that they told her in the hospital to just keep resharing the experience. And so mm-hmm. that's because she was in freeze, I'm assuming? They're probably, they're probably trying a few different things. They're probably trying to desensitize her. The problem is, is that when you go through telling the story, the same exact story over and over and over again, you're actually kind of blocking it in and and putting it further into your nervous system. It's, you know, it's really going in and asking, so when did you know you were okay? When did you know that you survived it? Because you can go through a traumatic incident incident, and you think, okay, well, it is over, but the body doesn't know it's over. And it can seem like, well, that's kind of a silly question to ask, but it's not. If you ask anybody um, who's been through a natural disaster and you say, when did you know you were okay? And they would say, 
or safe for, we usually don't use the word safe because it means unsafe, but when mm. did you know you survived is really the key that we like to say. And people will say, well, what do you mean? And say, so well, when did you know you got out of the school? Uh, and they'll look at you kind of like, like, kind of like, what are you talking about? That doesn't mean it's a dumb question. That means that they were still stuck in the school. And, you know, so part of it is like they got, it's like, you know, we've all watched the video and the screen just freezes and it's stuck on that one image. They're stuck on that one image. So, so when did you get out of the classroom? Oh, my teacher took us out of the classroom and then we went down the hall. Then what did you do? Then I went and we went down the stairs and then we went through a window and, and then we got out. And then what did you do? Well, they made us drop our backpacks off. Oh, who made you drop off your backpacks? The law, you know, law enforcement. Okay, they made you drop your backpacks. And what else did you do? We put our hands up in the air. Okay, then what did you do? So you're taking them through the steps to get so that they got out of the building. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they'll recognize that they they are out of there because part of the trauma gets locked in our bodies and locked in our nervous system because the body remembers it gets locked in there and it's trying to take them. And, get, and so that they actually go through the steps because obviously she's in the hospital. She got out, somebody rescued her, somebody helped her. You know, like, you know so even if it was, well, I was down cause I got shot in the leg. Okay. So then what happened? Well, they came in with the stretcher. What happened then? Well, they put me on the stretcher who did, and they'll tell you who it was. And so their paramedics were working on me and you take them through those different steps because all of those things, they got rescued and they did get out because now they're in the hospital. So they're trying to get them to talk about it. It's like, well, we were in the, you know, the drill went off and we heard the and and we started to get up and run and I was shot. And they keep telling that same story, but there's right. no other story to it. They're stuck in that. The, it's almost like in a film, it would be like the climactic moment. And, and it's like, no, you got to exactly. We got to get to the third act. So that they can start to process it. Um, So with our children, what age do we talk about this? I, you know, we've been watching the Olympics with my four-year-old and I was like, okay, well, probably should not turn on NBC tonight, you know? And because how do I explain this Mm -hmm. to a four-year-old? Because you never know when the news is going to, you know, cut back to the, the story, Wow, that's a really good point. And I'm not, and I haven't, I did not watch the Olympics yesterday, so I don't know if they were cutting back and forth to the story. But that is an excellent point that you're bringing up. How is, you know, because even parents, I think my kids don't know, but remember, your kids don't live in a bubble. They're not isolated. And so they're out in the world. And so, unless you're going to keep them in this cocoon, but at some point, it's going to leak out. And when we don't share it, just we're starting to, the game of telephone, you don't know what they're hearing because it's going to be another's child's perception or your child's having a play date and their friend's parents are talking about it or, and the that's older what sibling, they're hearing, but they're right. right. Or, right. Or, or they have an older sibling and their friends are talking about, it, even though you said, don't talk about, talk about it in front of, you know, your little sister or brother, but they're in their bedroom and they're a little one because, all kids are curious, right? They want it. You know, it's like they're, they can sense, they know something's upset. 
So yes. if your kids are kind of like, they start acting out because they're realizing something's going on, even though we think we're young, it's always okay to tell our kids, I'm upset right now, not at you. Something's really bothering me. Or I heard some upsetting news. And they may turn around and say, me too. And then mm. they tell you what they heard. And is that a good thing and to ask it, them? Like, what what did you hear versus leading it? Or what would you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For that age group? They go, I would say, just ask them. Because if it's nothing, they may say, well, you know, they may turn around and say that they're really upset because they saw the ice skater fall on the ice right. rink. I mean, you don't know what they're going to actually yes. say. Because, you know, or you didn't make, you know, you promised me a bubble bath and you didn't give it to me last <laughs> night. Yeah. And, and and no, it can seem silly, but for them, if you, you bring oh, yeah. it down to their world, but you know, that little five-year-old, like this parent's like going, this happened and my kid's mad at me because I didn't give it when I had a bubble bath last night because she mm. was kind of just too freaked about everything. But that's what he, why he had a meltdown this morning. And that's what he was mad about and upset about. She thought it was for sure he must have heard about this. So ask. And it wasn't. Just like what, yeah, what what are you upset about? Or and then how can we address our own anxiety with our children? Like, let's say on Tuesday morning, because it's a holiday, you know, these parents of young children—they're dropping off their kids at preschool, kindergarten, elementary school. I imagine a lot of these parents are going to want to give an extra hug. How do you how do you explain that to your kid? Like why you're suddenly so needy and just want to crawl into bed with them and never let them go and never like never go see a movie or never travel again or never, you know, like it's just I, I think a lot of us at this particular moment and I have to keep remembering, you know, in a week things will there'll be a little more space around it maybe. But right now in this moment on this phone call with you, I'm like I, I want to be on lockdown in my house. I just want to, and I know that that's not even safe. God knows there'll probably be an earthquake. But like, what what do I say to my kid when I'm so friggin' needy? Exactly, exactly. Part of it is just that it, it's like kind of like, you know, you and I talked before about, you know, kind of going to your resources. Mm. People need to go back into developing that. So people that didn't hear it before, just kind of briefly, is that we all have resources that are that are our own personal one. So for that peaceful place, think of, you know, whether it's a beach or the mountains or anywhere that brings you comfort, that makes you smile. It may have been on a trip going, being able to give yourself a break and say, okay, let me just, let me just put all my focus on that. Don't watch scary movies right now. I mean, kind of go for things that are lighter right now. Your nervous system is already freaked out. Don't amp it up. But then we can, we all have like, um, Right. So it's because like putting on things and it's okay to laugh. It's okay to watch your comedy. It's okay to give yourself a respite because your nervous system regulates your child's nervous system. And even talking to your kids about, you know, it kind of like, I think I said to you before, you guys, families can do it as an exercise. Let's talk about things that make us feel good. You know, it's like, where's my, what's my favorite place? And every person in the, in the family, go around the dinner table. Let's talk about your favorite place and talk about, well, it's in Hawaii and it's on that sailboat, that catamaran that's flying, you know, that's on the boat water from uh, Maui to, uh, you know, Lanai and, and just talk about it and seeing the dolphins. If that's what is a resource, kid might say Disneyland. So that's a great one. Yeah. Give me a couple other questions. Give me a couple questions. Okay. So with, sometimes we need like, like we need people that are, you know, like our powerful 
figures. Right now, a real big one is um, Wonder Woman. And for our boys, they like Superman. They like Spider-Man. They like any of the superheroes. They, they may choose that. Some people will pick a big grizzly bear. Our nurturing, you know, and for parents, really practice this because it will help regulate you. It's like sometimes we need wisdom and people will say, if I needed a wise figure, who could give me that right now? Some people might say Maya Angelou. Some people might say Oprah Winfrey. Some people might say Michelle Obama. Anything that is authentic to you. Some people had a grandparent that was very wise. Mm. Invite that and kind of invite that wisdom. It's like when you're freaked out right now, it's like, so who, for you, Ellie, who would be a protective figure for you right now? Mm. If you had to think of somebody, could you? Somebody real or imaginary. It doesn't have to be somebody you know. It's just, it's what you, what I you think, feel. Yeah. A nurturing figure. I think for me right now, like the first person to come to mind is my great aunt Ida. She was 104 when she passed away, and I would go take care of her in Northridge. And um, she had this, well, she would crochet all these blankets, and I've got these baby blankets for the girls from her. But um, mm. so, like, that's comforting to me. But really, what was actually most comforting about this woman is that she lived through so much, not just because she was 104, but she had to give a, you know, she lost a child after um, birth, and then she actually had to give up, she adopted a child, and then the mother wanted the child back. So she had all of this loss in her life. Mm. She really lived Mm -hmm. for everyone else, and she would travel the world, and they sold their house when they were in their 60s, a house that her husband had built with his own hands, and they lived in a van in Europe, and they made all these friends wow. all wow. over the world. And so to me, that's comforting, like that despite the loss and not having her own children, she would seek out love and connection all around the world, and she would actually also volunteer all the time at like the local preschool. And so, like, she found children that way. And and just, I think that is comforting. Like, she would be someone who, she was a real tough cookie, too. And I think she would just be like, Ellie, right. you, got, you got to live. What are you doing? Are you going to sit on your ass in your house? Like, what are you, you're going to, you can't be a scaredy cat. You got to get out there. You got to live and you got to speak your mind. I mean, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Perfect. So if every, every mom that's listening to you would just take that moment and find that person and let them talk to you. So when you're going to go on, you know, on Monday night when you go to bed and just kind of, okay, I need you to help me get through taking the kids to school tomorrow. Mm. What are you going to tell me? And listen to what she tell you. It will come to you. And then when you're getting in the car, after you put your kids in their car seat, so you buckle them in and you're driving there, put her right next to you in the passenger side too. Let her just be there right there. Let her help you do this. That's so good. It will give you the strength to do it. We need that right now because hopefully all parents, every parent needs to work on having having a peaceful place to go to, having protective figures in their lives, having nurturing, having wise, having spiritual. The more we work with that, because at all times of the day, when we feel like we're going to kind of lose our mind, we kind of like, what do I need right now? It will come to you. And the more you practice it, the stronger it's the stronger it gets, and it really does make a difference. I do it between every one of my sessions. From one client to the next, I take a moment, and I just kind of clear my my own energy and get ready for the next one, and I just kind of advise 
bring in whatever I need. And on a day like, yeah, you know, the last couple of days, you know, you do it as much as you need it because it helps you get, it does help you get through it. And parents, if they talk about it with their kids, the kids will start talking about it. They will tell you what, what it is. And then, you know me, I like where you, right. I think I talked to you guys about the butterfly touch where then you can tap, tap it in. And it's just kind of like, if you think of, if you think of her and you bring her up and you think of everything you just said, you just kind of, just kind of cross your hands over your chest and just lightly type tap in from side to side. It will make it stronger. Kind of like open apple that save it to your hard drive, which is your body. And wow. it, and it makes it stronger. Oh, I feel like this will be so useful for teachers as well. I was uh, reading an essay in McSweeney's and, but I, and I'll post it. It was, you know, it's just, but it's really upsetting because the last paragraph is basically addressing the fact that our teachers who are supposed to be responsible for all these other things, like now they're completely responsible for our children's lives and they get paid nothing and they have no resources. And now this burden is on them. What do you yeah. say to teachers when you are on site with a tragedy like this? I reassure them that they did that one, they are so brave and they did so much. They did everything that they possibly could do. I mean, they, you know, because kind of like our firefighters and our police officers, they focus on the ones that they couldn't help. And it's not, and it's hard for them to hold on to all the kids that they did help. You know, it's, again, it's about being kind and putting the community around them. And, you know, cause you know, your kids are their kids and, you know, all they wanted to do was help. And, you know, and now these kids have suffered a bigger loss, you know, the football coach and, you know, they've been interviewing kids that had him as a coach and how inspiring he was. And, you know, and parents write that extra note to those teachers and tell them how much you care about them. And, and, you know, and they're, they're hurting too. They really are hurting too. And all they want, you know, everything that they do is that they want to help. They do want to help your children. And and it's important that we value because, remember, you're handing your kids over to these teachers. And, and you know, when, when kids see their parents be nice to their teachers and reminding your kids, you got to listen to your teacher. When something happens, your first thing to do is look at your teacher and then you'll know what to do. Because that's the person who's going to tell you what to do, and that's what you're going to do. That I've never heard that before. That's that's yep. I know. I, I'm just thinking about the, our preschool. Like Sabrina needs to hear that. Right. Sometimes she doesn't listen when she needs to listen. Right, and especially when there's something that goes on in a fire drill and all of that. Because you know, each kid has, you know, each person has their own natural instinct. Some people run, some people freeze, some you know, some people yep. fight. It, but you know, it's like when they're a kid, it's like you know what? If something happens, you look at you look at us, right? We're your parents. You look at us. But when you're not with us, you need to look at your teacher at school. It, you know, there may be all these other times that you may not listen. But when there's an emergency at school, you got to listen to your teacher, your principal, and go through the people because you every parent knows who those people are at the school. Tell mm-hmm. them to listen, listen to to uh, to those teachers. And um, because they do when they are, you know, updated all the time and they, and they really, whatever decision they make, they're going to try to make the best possible decision 
in that moment. Is there anything I can say to my child? Because she'll listen to her teachers, but if, like at the airport, sometimes she runs around like a maniac, and it's very hard to get her back into like her executive functioning. And so in a moment (laughs) of crisis, how, because of all the energy, especially these little children have, like, or if you're at Disneyland and something happens, like this idea, I have so much anxiety about the idea of like somehow grabbing her with my other baby. And is there anything that I can practice with my child so that in a moment like that, she could have the clarity of mind to listen to the adult. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do I, because <laughs> yeah. she just shuts, it'll just shut off and she'll be a maniac. Right. It, and it's hard because you actually haven't tested the waters. I mean, what we think is an important and what they think is important are two different things. You know, because if the a fire alarm went off, I mean, now we're going to, we're going to have an over response to fire alarms because kids are like, I'm not going to listen to it. I mean, as they were already saying that to me yesterday and I said, no, you have to listen to it, but then look at, look at your teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're out in the field, look at, look at the coach. If you're, you know, if you're someplace else around campus, look for, look for an adult to see, you know, to see mm-hmm. what their guidance is and don't just ignore it. I said, that's not the answer either. It's telling you something's up in a, you know, because these were happened to be um, athletes that I was talking to because they were, you know, they were outside. And I said, but you don't know what you're going to need to do, but you're never out here by yourself, guys. And they're like, no, we're not. And I said, look for that person. I said, don't think you can figure it all out yourself. Yep. Because, you know, that, and so this is the part where I don't know if an alarm went off that your kids wouldn't listen. Though when we're out and about, we know that being at Disneyland or being out in a public place, and your kids listen to you, we know that there's a certain amount of danger. They don't. And it's hard, right? That's that balance. Because we also don't want to make them afraid to go to Disneyland or make them afraid to go to the movie theater and, right. and all of that. So it's hard to get them. How do we get them to to follow the, to follow the rules? And yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I, you know, Everybody says, isn't that terrible parents that have their kids on a leash? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, on one hand, but I yeah. kind of oh, get it oh, on I another totally hand. totally get it. That was also a really great modern family episode. Where yeah. Yeah. It was a great. Backpack leash. Okay. Last question, because right. I'm sure you have a million appointments today. Yeah. With the fire alarm. Uh, you yeah. know, my mom's a lawyer and she worked on the case in Rhode Island, there was a terrible fire and I think almost a hundred people died at at this club. And she was involved in this case for years and she had to watch the videos. And so she, um, she got me really, you know, she got me like a rope to be able to climb out my dorm window in college. Um, cause it was having, it was around then. Yeah. And she had actually also gone to Skidmore and I think there had been a huge, dorm fire there but they did they had a so. huge storm they did they did yeah so i was already you know fire alarms are, are concerning now these kids are going to be doing these drills at all these schools you you know you always do um what do parents say to their kids when they know that a fire drill is coming up because i can't imagine a child an older a middle school or high schooler who hears that first fire drill um, that sound and that it, it would be so triggering. What do you say to those kids so that all of this stuff doesn't 
come up or do you let it come up? Just give me some advice there because I feel like that sound now has a different meaning. It, 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 it does have a different meaning. It will have a different meaning more for the kids that are a little bit older than our little ones. Most young kids are going to turn and look towards their teacher. And, uh, you know, and this, you know, because then the teacher's like, okay, stand up, line up. And, you know, because they, they kind of, they practice that. And they still need to practice that because that's an, it's an important thing to, to still, um, you know, to practice. It's our older kids, whether they're going to ignore it. It, I think they're going to end up taking um, a step. But I think parents do need to say, kids, again, I know, and we know that this was, this guy was trying to, you know, just kind of go through what actually happened and say, but really, again, you go back, look at your teacher, and you have to take the guidance. I mean, the teacher's going to make, a ju- you know, kind of a judgment call. But people can also do the same thing and kind of like kind of like stop, kind of look around, Try to get them to all take a few deep breaths. One, to see if you smell the smoke. Kind of look around and start listen and say, "Listen, just kind of listen and say, running isn't gonna isn't gonna help. But if your teacher says, "Get up, let's go. We're moving and going out," then they want to get up and just do it. And most of the time, that's going to be the right call. I mean, sometimes these things can't can happen. Um, if they tell you to stay in the room, then barricade the door, but desk in front of the door, do all of that kind of stuff. Stay away from windows. Okay. You know, if they're trying, if they're going to barricade in a room, stay away from the windows and, and put stuff in front of the, the door. Look at for, you know, like when I was talking to these kids and the, and these were high schoolers and I go, what's your natural instinct? Somebody comes in, they go, we're throwing chairs, we're throwing things out. I'm like, oh, good. Go ahead and do it because they're better off doing something than doing and then doing nothing because one of those chairs is going to land on the land on them. I mean, somebody's coming in, they're better off fighting than freezing. That needs to be said. And then do you, when, if your yeah. child has, let's say your middle schooler or your high schooler is, you know, they're going to probably start doing different types of drills now. Uh, right. My children are younger, so so I don't know about these things um, personally, but that day after school, do you talk to your kid? Just even going through the drill of it, like that that would be something yeah. on their shoulders that they're like, we went through, you know, we walked through this just-in-case scenario, and then they come home. I'm sure children, all, you know, they bring that with them. So do you talk, do you ask them how it felt or do you, are you extra easy on them? Like, what do you give them ice cream? What do you do to provide the support so that they can just move on? All the above. I think you do talk to them about it, but then you also remind them and say, Hey, there's nothing wrong with doing a drill. You know, when we look at all of our professional athletes and they're stopping and, and a, a friend of mine reminded me because her husband was as a, um, professional tennis player and he was watching I think the Australian Open and he's like oh did you see because that whole tapping in that I was saying to you that you watch this tennis player it was between sets and he was sitting there and you could see him playing through all like okay I'm going to get up there I'm going to serve I'm going to do this they go through all the motions and our our professor, professional athletes are kind of running the whole scene before it happens so telling them great I'm glad you guys practice it you should practice you know what we need to think about a game plan for our family that's a good idea because then when something happens, we're going to know what to do. 
it's not bad that we practice. Love this. You have all the answers. That's like such a positive response. There I was going to be shoveling ice cream down my kid's throat <laughs> so that I'd feel better when really you can make it a positive thing. Just be like, yeah, now we're prepared. Right. Because having the game plan. Having a game plan is empowering. You know, right. Because then if they want it, they're like, well, they want it because they're from and help us, but they're not helpless. It's like, one, there's a game plan. Now you guys found out where all the exits were. And say, look, if you guys go to a movie theater, look at where the exits are. That's not a ridiculous thing. And say, look, at guys, when we got on the plane, when they're saying that these are the exits and that there's, and it's, you know, it's lit up on the floor, those are a good things. We know what to do. If there's turbulence and they say, don't get up, and you got your seatbelt on, well, that's what we should do. We need to practice these things. There's nothing wrong with practicing. You know, if your kid plays play sports, say, don't you practice? You know, you're good, but you're not that good that you don't have to practice. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with practicing. So it's not making light of it. It's just being real with it that they do need that you need to practice it and say, good, I'm glad you guys did it. That's good. We need to do that. And and that has been my response that I've been telling people. I said, I said, do have the drills. And Mm -hmm. they and I said, and it's a good thing that we have drills. And, and they really are there for a reason. The drills are there for a reason because people learn how to cooperate because we get hurt. There you go. They learn how to cooperate. cooperate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Stephanie, right. our listeners are going to want to know, how can they reach out to you to thank uh, you for this episode? <laughs> so, it's Stephanie Small, S-M-A-L-L dot net. I'm not dot com. I'm dot net. Excellent. All right. Okay, everybody, this episode was hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Ellie Noss, sound engineering by Owen O'Neill, and original music by Jeremy Turner. Take care of each other. Love on your little ones. Bear this episode. Let's get Stephanie's message out there. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on. Atomic Moms.